well, I mean, I don't know. We said we'd do it. So <laughs> the aggregate scoreline last week, which I got wrong because I didn't know the scores of one of the games, was 7-1. Uh, this week, the aggregate score since we last did a podcast is nil-nil. So I don't know. I've asked for listening questions, so we'll do that later in the show. That might be fun, right? Probably have a question be. about Phil Jones' best position or something. Uh, are you currently in it? Yeah. Um um, what? Uh, well, how do, how do? What do you say about either of these games? Um, United have now scored one goal in the last seven games against the big six in uh, commas, and that was a penalty. It, it's the same pattern yeah. in all of these against um, against teams that Ollie feels some nervousness about, isn't it? Well, kind of, except I don't know that this game particularly fitted into the pattern of these games in that basically this was like a game against... Burnley or something where United had loads of the ball in the third between the the third between after just after the halfway line in the opposition half just passing the ball sideways I mean they did quite well pressing Chelsea's defenders forced a couple of mistakes and stuff so I thought like United were on the front foot in this one in a way that they haven't necessarily wasn't like they were happy with the nil-nil but no, just but really lacked creativity. The, the lack creativity, and 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 part of that's to do with the combination in midfield, um, but also you know secure at the back and didn't didn't push that back line up sort of twenty yards further that it could have been to compress it in midfield and force some mistakes you know deeper into Chelsea's half, um, and for understandable reasons which we've talked about and is now becoming very boring. Um, yeah, so so it was cautious, but I think gone are the days when United are happy to sort of park the bus and try and break. Now United can play and keep possession, knowing that um, probably they're the best team in the league at um, scoring in transitional phases, right, or on the break or on the counter. Um, and it just didn't, you know, there were a few opportunities, but United didn't really create any good chances in this game. Um, as a result of sort of, you know, a little bit of caution. Yeah, no, not not anything even approaching a sort of statistically significant good chance, um, I would say. I mean, uh, Mason Greenwood had a fine shot from outside the area that didn't go far wide, but, you know, obviously that's not a good chance. That's just, he's good. And Fred, uh, the one of his shots own, only narrowly missed, which was better than anyone was expecting Rashford hit that free kick yep. pretty well, forced Mondi into a punch out. Um, but you know, it was it was a tough watch. I mean, the biggest chance in terms of numbers in the game was the half an xG chance of the Callum Hudson Adoy uh, lovely first time cross, which Giroud did uh, okay to get in. But so really, I mean, I know. Sorry, talking of boring and broken record, just so easy for him to peel off Lindelof and yeah. get into space um, but yeah. then actually United centre-backs did alright for most of the game I thought I thought they did in those sort of you know classic defender duels yeah, yeah. They, they did. They do okay you know it's like neither of them are bad defenders in, in those sort of um, you know Lindelof has a problem physically obviously boring uh, and um, Maguire has a problem positionally and especially with pace but that wasn't really challenged today by Chelsea, I don't think. You know, like facing crosses coming into the box or being able to defend between the lines of uh, of your box, they do pretty well. That's why United's def- defensive record last season was pretty good, not so great this season. So um, it's it's when United pushed that 20 yards up the field that they, they really have problems. Uh, and that wasn't tested so much today. 
Yeah, and I thought it was kind of a, a slightly odd decision on the part of Tuchel to play Giroud over Werner for exactly that reason. Obviously, right. like Giroud scored an amazing goal in midweek or whatever, but you'd think that if you asked Maguire and Lindelof, like which one of these two uh, attackers would you rather be facing based on your strengths and weaknesses, it's a pretty trivial decision, isn't it? So I thought that was that was maybe a bit of a mistake from yeah. uh, from old Tommy Took Took. Well, the, the Chelsea have scored, uh, what, nine in 10 games under Tuchel, I think. And and so, you know, that's for all the attacking talent, Mount, Giroud, Werner, uh, Havertz, you know, all the um, talent. He, does, he doesn't know what the combination is that he wants. And so yeah. I guess he's, you know, focused on the defensive side of things, which was a real mess at Chelsea and trying to sort that bit out. Um, and then he'll try and get the machine working up front, which, you know, with all that talent he should do. It's clear he doesn't trust Hudson-Odoi. Uh, Hudson-Odoi may be regretting signing that new contract now, I think, rather than uh, making I, I a don't, move. I don't, I don't think it's true that he doesn't trust Hudson-Odoi. I think he's played him... Oh, he's played him a ton more than Lampard played him. He played him today when he didn't have to, and he took him off because he got injured. Mm. So, I, I I'm... I mean, I think I think it's actually inaccurate to say. I think he he said one negative thing about Hudson Odoi in the press after a game, but then played him the subsequent two games. So, yeah, but he's taken him off in, both times, hasn't he? Well, today he took him off because he had massive like had to have a massive ice pack on his leg, like mm. he was clearly in. Thought he's faking it, discomfort. faking it. Anyway, <laughs> I mean that that's Chelsea's problem, uh, you know, trying to trying to score, and and apparently it's United's problem when we um we faced the big six. It's obviously a mental problem now. Yeah, I mean, I, I th- a lot of the discourse uh, that I've seen around this game, uh, lots and lots and lots of people talking about how much we miss Paul Pogba in a game like this, and I, I could not agree more. I thought he was sure, a, yeah. he was a massive miss. I mean, and and let's talk a little bit about team selection because uh, a front three of Dan James um, uh, and then some other players, uh, <laughs> Marcus <laughs> Rashford, bringing this up to talk about and Greenwood playing as uh, as the central striker yeah. Rashford playing on the left James playing off the right I mean James has been in much better form lately uh, but uh, and he, he was very busy in the first half but listen there's there's a quality issue there clearly um, and or at least if there isn't an overall quality issue there, there was a quality issue there in the game today. Yep. And Mason Greenwood couldn't really get into the game, but he did. He did. He actually had a very Martial-esque performance. I thought it was a lot of fine link-up play and lots of good little touches and lays, layoffs and things. Um, and I, I was screaming when he took Greenwood off. Yeah, uh, I was just he always does as well. <laughs> um, exactly. It's it's so it's like it's so. Um, wrote that that they were he was at one point like James was James had just had a knock at that point and Gary Neville and Martin Tyler said they're delaying the substitution to see if Dan James is all right I'm like why are they delaying the substitution to see if Dan James is all right why are they just taking off Dan James like anyway that's you know Yes. Move Greenwood to the right and play Martial through the middle if yes. you're going to bring Martial on. I mean, it's only 10 minutes or whatever anyway. Um, I, and, and just what the one substitution today. I mean, it, look, it kind of, uh, with Martial out of form and, and Cavani injured and Cavani has, you know, he's 34, he's going to get injuries. It, it just, it does kind of expose United's sort of thinness up front. Uh, and Rashford, obviously, you know, his better performances and numbers of late, and I'm going to completely contradict what I might have said two years ago, have been coming from the left. 
Um, and and so you know Martial in form and and playing like the Martial we know he can but doesn't do often enough um, is you know is that perfect number nine for us? But um, it's a problem when he's been so horribly out of form and with Cavani injured. As I said, you know we're a bit thin up front. It's why United were so interested in Sancho, one more high quality attacker. Um, reports this week that United are not interested in Sancho anymore, i.e. aren't willing to pay the money it would take to bring him in. Which is a shame because despite a quiet start to the season, he's absolutely flying at the moment. 11 goals, 16 assists um, in the league alone um, after a very quiet start. Um, But anyway, you know, um, you're right, Stan James, quality issue, got a couple of goals recently, but um, it's hard for him, especially on the right. I think... To get the best out of Dan James, whatever ceiling he has, um, if you play him off the left, at least he can cut in and, and you know, the defender then has two problems. Is he going to go out on the outside or is he going to cut in and shoot? Um, so the balance didn't feel quite right at times today. And with the, with the injury issues, there's only two selection decisions and that's Dan James or Martial and um, uh, Lindelof or Bailly. And... I completely, I have to say, and this is, this hurts as I say this, like on every level, this hurts. I totally understand why Ole picked Dan James over Anthony Martial. Absolutely. If you told me that I would have said that sentence in the future at some point, uh, I would have called you a liar, but I, I totally get it. Um, uh, Lindelof over Bailly. I mean, we've talked a little bit about how maybe Lindelof and Maguire make sense as a partnership in these big six games because we are going to sit deeper um, and be less exposed on the turn. Certainly, if you knew Giroud was playing, you could say, OK. But that that sort of makes the argument that Lindelof would be better at playing the role that he plays in these games than Baye would, which I just don't believe is true because, of course, Baye famously has a, a hilarious antic in him, but it's not like Victor Lindelof isn't making one serious mistake a game. Right, right. I mean, he didn't in this one, but almost all the time. Well, apart from maybe you could say the one where Maguire got in, I mean, Giroud got in in front of him. So, uh, yeah. Every time I see Baye play, I'm more convinced, despite the hilarious antic, I'm more convinced he's the best defender at our club. You know, he, yeah, he's, he's yeah, a natural absolutely. defender. He's good on the ball uh, and he's got bags and bags of pace, which, you know, which is really important. And and it would have allowed United to push the game 10 yards further forward. And probably we, you know, it has a defensive impact, but it has a real, real attacking impact. I mean, there's clearly Ollie loves or trusts Lindelof because he, you know, when the selection issue comes, he, he, he basically inevitably picks Lindelof but uh, I'm not sure it's one I'd, I'd agree with and it's kind of it's kind of no. there's some irony that the best defender in the league right now Ruben Diaz you know was brought in to replace Victor Lindelof um, so I guess we bought the wrong guy there um, the uh, the the thing is, we've talked a lot uh, about uh, Dan James, Victor Lindelof, but uh, as Pratik Berlin asks on Twitter, is this the game where good players FC were bad and bad players FC were good? Because Rashford did absolutely nothing of note in this game apart from that free kick. Fernandez not able to bring meaningful uh, contributions to bear on the game. Greenwood, I thought, was the best of our best players, but not particularly good. Um, I thought Scott McTominay was all right, actually, and there was uh, he had a couple of decent shots. Yeah, um, yep. one from but, uh, what, but, just inside the box, was it? He, maybe just out, I can't remember yeah. now. Yeah. Um, Fred 
Uh, Fred is in Bad Players FC and McTominay's in Good Players FC, by the way. Just just so you know, if I'm the manager of those two teams, that's the, that's the way around that goes. I know it might be a controversial selection among some of our fan base, but that's how I feel about it. All, all right, just a quick diversion, because, you know, it's our yeah. podcast. And yeah, we yeah, can, yeah, I, I want to name Good Players FC versus Bad Players FC. 11 okay. aside, right? Goalkeeper. Goalkeeper. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, it's a difficult one. It's a really difficult one. Half of David De Gea against half the other half of David De Gea, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yes, I mean, you know, Ollie obviously believes... Ollie has a lot of faith in David De Gea. He can't do anything wrong. I mean, I'm on the precipice. I mean, at, at the moment, it's hard to... For me, it's hard to justify De Gea's... Um, continual selection when we know he will make mistakes because that's what he's been doing for two and a bit years now. I mean, it predates mm-hmm. Ollie, so it's it's perhaps nearly three seasons of decline and Henderson's going the other way. So I would put Henderson in good players FC and David De Gea in bad players FC, even though I know that De Gea's ceiling is higher than Henderson's or was. The, the, the thing is, De Gea showed... The- his potential value to both of these teams in this game. One absolutely excellent reaction save where he moved to the left and saved to the right with his, with an incredibly like strong hand yep. and another where he just kicked the ball straight out to a Chelsea player. Cause you've got to have at least one of those a game. Um, Man, so, I would put no, him I, under so much pressure when the ball's at his feet. If I was the opposition, yeah. I mean, just every yeah, single yeah. time. Um, I, I think, you know, it, 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 this is slightly facetious, but I would agree with you in, in the, the kind of where they, where they both end up. I can't believe, by the way, apologies to the listeners that both mine and me and Ed put, forgot to put our phones on silent and we've had one notification each during this recording. Um, uh, at right back, I mean, I'm not sure there's an, an, an easy candidate for bad players FC here, but, um, but I'm obviously putting Wambasaka at good players FC, um, are we, by the way, we can't make a back four from good players for good players FC. So we're no, going to no. have to play a very weird formation with one centre back. Well, it'd have to be who's the best. Oh no, it's, no it's, it's, we've got him. We're making eleven. All right, Juan Bissaka at right back for good players FC. Brandon Williams, I guess, goes at left back because uh, right back. Sorry, uh, no, in bad players yeah. FC. Mm, because nah, I'm sticking Phil Jones. I'm sticking Phil Jones there. That's pretty he weird. He played a lot. Of, he played. He played right back a lot, Phil Jones did, and he'd be Pretty even weird. worse at right back. Yeah. I mean, I, but, by the way, yeah. I like Brandon Williams. He's just he's just had a hard yeah, I'm, he's I'm a not, hard year or so. I mean, I think he's got a, a load of talent. Um, I'm not I'm not having him at bad play. He's not a bad player. No, he's not. So, but our centre backs, we've got a choice of well, you know, Phil Jones. Surely is 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 he is centre back as well? <laughs> uh, there's Maguire, no, no, Lindelof, Bayi, and Tunzebi as our four options. <laughs> It's very easy. Phil Jones is playing right back because Maguire and Lindelof are together at the heart of Bad Players FC. Because the thing is, even if Maguire might have a, a shout to play for good players, him and Lindelof are so perfect together for Bad Players FC. They, they are a match made in hell. So <laughs> they uh, they can absolutely hang out together at the back of that. And uh, Twanzebi and Bailly can play good players FC. Okay, fair enough. And then at left back, I mean, I think Shaw's in good players FC. He's had a good season. Oh, Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. and and uh, I, I I'm so surprised that we're talking about him like that. I didn't think he would be able to push on. I didn't believe it. He had it in him anymore, but something happened. Um, and then um, Telez, I mean, attacking wise, he's in good players. FC loves putting in a cross, yeah. doesn't he? But defensively, he scares me. 
to to channel my inner Mourinho. Yeah. He uh, he terrifies me. <laughs> the thing is, he is a massive ball watcher, and so he will go great with Maguire and Lindelof. But yeah, I mean, Luke Shaw is definitely like hashtag welcome to good players, right? This is, he has been promoted from, he is, he is, he was a big money signing in the summer for, for good players. And, and he is welcome to that back four. Um, so we got Wan-Bissaka, Twanzebi, Bailly and Luke Shaw. I'm not even <laughs> particularly, I mean, it, it, look, there's a very solid argument that Maguire should absolutely be in that back four. Um, but, I it's just hard to separate him from his bad players counterpart. It's, um, it's very right. true. Um, um, like the double the, the, pivot in midfield, then that's what Fred and Matic in bad players, FC and Pogba and McSauce in in good players. Is that how you have hell it? Yeah, it is. But the, you know, remember that this is this is sort of antithetical to the fundamental ethos of the question of good players versus bad players in this squad because it's not like there is an equal number of no, each in sure. each position the good ones are all the ones in the front half of the pitch and like now Luke Shaw for some reason um and the bad ones are all the ones in the in the back especially in the middle but anyway I know. All right, I'm, yeah. I'm just forcing so, you to make choices so so the good I, players I would have it that way then you've got Fernandez Greenwood Rashford can I and. just say, Matic, Matic is getting a call up to good players, depending on who we're playing. If we're playing against bad players, FC, I might have Matic in good players because he's quite useful in that sort of game. But no, he's Pogba got McTominay's. Lovely passing range, can't defend for his life. I, I just wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't exactly. ever trust him. Yeah. Um. Uh, so we're playing 4-2-3-1 because we're statistically required by law to yeah. play 4-2-3-1. Um, well, basically, you're a football weirdo as a coach if you don't play four two three one. It's 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 the old four four two, isn't it? Yeah, and it almost literally is the old four four two. By the way, they just it just called something different now. Um, so anyway, uh, Fernandez obviously has to. I mean, Fernandez is captain of good players um, and plays at ten. Rashford plays on the left. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! I've just realised what has to happen and I hate it with every fibre of my being. You're going to have to put Martial in bad players FC. You're going to have to. I know you but, don't want to. But, I don't, no, no, but the, no, no. He's in it. He's just not a bad player though. He's not. He's not a bad player. Uh, by the way, I'm not I'm not on some uh, hashtag anti-Martial agenda. Um, I love him yeah. as a player. I'm just, right now, his form is yeah. atrocious. So atrocious. It's, it's rash. Rashford, Green, uh, Rashford, Cavani, Greenwood. Yeah, in front of Fernandez, and in bad and then, players, it's Martial, Dan James, and Van der Beek, uh, and Van, one other, one matter on the right. Oh yeah, I think. Oh, I hate this. Well, why did we do this? Is the worst. We've put oh. one matter and Anthony Martial in bad players. I know. This, this is this is stricken from the record. Never let it be spoken. Okay, of again. so they, they, this, the they're playing. Is, What's the score? <laughs> <laughs> about about seventeen three. Um, the the thing is though, bad players versus good players is a five a side game. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. So you know, the rondos. I wonder how much they do that in training. <laughs> so if you're in the bad player rondo, you're oof, not getting in the team at the weekend. 
Um, all right, should we take some listen? Oh, uh, the one last thing about this game that I thought to say was I was shouting, that's a pen, that's a pen, that's a pen. With the handball. was over the referee's shoulder. Like, uh, I mean, he moves towards the ball yeah. and punch and hits it. He, I, I, they didn't give it because it's not above his shoulder, but I don't think that's a natural position. So, it, like, they're saying he's... Are you sure it's not above his shoulder? Seems like at the point of contact, it's just about under, but I don't know. I, I mean, I would have given it as a pen, but I'm not the VAR, so... It was funny watching the, the way that the replay was being shown because it really looked like the VAR director really thought it was a penalty and was trying to, like, emphasise visually, like, no, look, he's moved his hand towards the ball and he's, like, slowing it down as the ball goes towards and then speeding it up again afterwards. Yeah, I'd, I'd just say, look, if that was at the beginning, beginning of the season before they oh, yeah. kind of introduced the, hey, shoulder or not shoulder sort of threshold, that would have been given, for sure. Yeah. So, um, um, anything right. to say about Thursday's game? I mean, no, we completely skipped over it, the, the Europa League, because you, you're denying its, its existence. That's weird as, weird no. as f- game, wasn't it? I mean, really dull, uh, but a few players we'd like to see, But um, and he sort of managed Rashford and Fernandez's time. But and anything you want to say about it? Do you not enjoy it? No, no, no. No, there's nothing I want to say. First of all, it's in the Europa League. And second of all, it was a nil-nil draw in the Europa League. <laughs> I mean, of course, like when he when he had Fernandez in the starting eleven, you're looking tearing your hair out. But actually, yeah. I think he's just trying to keep Fernandez and Rashford ticking over, gave them half each, try, not not trying to overstress them, but trying to keep them moving, basically. I, I mean, guess, give, given he had three goalkeepers on the bench, um, it's hard shifting people from the um the under twenty-threes into the the first team bubble and to do that he had to strip the under 23s and they got spanked by Everton last week as a result so not that that you know they're there as a feeder um so it has consequences and and so he didn't have a full bench you know three goalkeepers on it so I understand I mean basically the to not play Fernandez he would have had to play twins AB in midfield the whole game which you know he did for yeah. part of it anyway um so um, yeah just about then, managed it and then the draw gives us um Milan uh, in the next round, which but I'm kind of looking we, forward to. Before we come to the draw, though, there are there are a couple of noteworthy things about that game. Uh, oh, Diallo now, now you want now again. you want to talk about the Europa League? Now you're loving it now, <laughs> aren't you? Well, uh, just Sholo Shoratire uh, broke the record for youngest yes. player ever to play for United in Europe. You know, um, I I've, I don't think I've heard Oli talk about a young player as much as he's he's talking about Shola. He he has a lot of faith in this player. Well, that's kind of exciting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know, it's exciting to see another another youngster come through, and uh, especially especially if he can play wide right in attack. You know, um, so he's pretty flexible. So yes, he can do that. Um, but look, there's there are some exciting young players, and and Diallo, as you mentioned, um, another what? What do you get about half an hour or so this time round? Well, less than that. Less, less than, than that. that yeah. yeah, I mean, he's not far off having a start. I mean, he didn't do much. But he's super quick and he loves he loves attacking. And, and all the first team players, well, the ones that have talked about him, are um, excited about him, you know. And yeah, his, his which qualities. is always, it's, it's always a good sign, isn't it? When when the squad are kind of buzzing, watching watching one of the youngsters do stuff. I mean, he, does, he looks very small, but actually in this in this particular game, he, he looked quite sort of wiry. Um, I did uh, did see at one point um, Adnan Yanazai appeared to say something to Sholo. Shoratire, and it was like seeing a few years, lad, I guess, because <laughs> <laughs> it might have some warnings for him. Um, yes, I wonder how many times Diallo has megged Maguire in the rondos. 
because I reckon it's <laughs> quite a lot. Yeah, probably. Um, it was Yanis. I played really well in the first half of that game, and uh, made me think that maybe I wasn't just completely wrong when it looked to me like he was going to be a genuine, absolute world beater. Yeah, no, um, look, he's th- got, he's got the, he's got the, he's twenty six now, so I think his chance at a top club is probably gone. But not that yeah. Real Sociedad is a, you know, a bad club at all. But it's obviously you know mid tier in Spain. Um, yeah, but uh, yes, yeah, so much, so much talent there, but not quite fulfilled. Um, the, uh, the the I read an article this week because that game also marked uh, the fifth anniversary of Marcus Rashford's de- Marcus Rashford's debut yep. against FC Michelin, Um and Rashford captain the second half, which was quite nice. Um, but there was an article on the BBC website about James Weir who is yeah. currently playing in Slovakia, I think. Um, it's, there's a chance it's Slovenia. I apologise to all Slovakian and Slovenia so, listeners. For... Sokovia, isn't it? He's uh, he's in the uh, no, the Marvel Universe. That's, <laughs> that's not a real country. At least I'm, if I am mixing it up, it's with a real country, not where the Scarlet Witch is from. Um, anyway, the... Uh, it was. It really made me think that that article because after because Weir made his debut, he was under twenty three's captain at the time, and he made his debut in the same game that Rashford did. He didn't start, but he came on as a sub. One of the many many players that Louis Van Gaal gave a debut to, and then he moved, I think, to Hull, where Mike Phelan was the manager, and then Mike Phelan was shortly sacked. Then he moved to Wigan when Warren Joyce was the manager. Warren Joyce was very shortly sacked. Then he got a serious injury, and you just think like uh, it made me think about Rashford and and. You know, it's so easy to just focus on the top of the pyramid. But the right. extent to which even a player like Jesse Lingard to have made as many appearances as he has for United and people just say he's like rubbish. And this, you know, it's so ignorant to say that these players are rubbish when 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 it's so rare that one of them breaks through. Like it's so incredibly hard oh, sure, yeah. to make it. I mean, and and the base of that pyramid is really big. Not not just the the kind of yeah. pros who aren't quite at the top level, but um, you know, for Rashford to come out of you know under 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 eights, under thirteens, eighteens, and twenty threes, and make it through, there's hardly any. You know, that is a steep sided pyramid. Uh, it's just uh, it's really really hard uh, for people to come through. And and you're right, you know, the the elite is the elite. And now Rashford's looking the other way. Of course, he's. He's he in terms of his career, he's not you know um, right now worrying about the slide down. He's saying you know how can I take that next step um, yeah. to be yeah. in the class of players that you know this week everyone's talking about Erling Haaland and Mbappe, and I think it's fair to say that Russia's performances aren't quite at that level right now. But you know they're not far off, and he needs to do his best performance every week, and he he can join that sort of next group of of the really exciting yeah. younger next generation that are going to come through and take over from Ronaldo and Messi. That's the narrative, of course. So, um, But yeah, you're absolutely right. And it is it was a fascinating article and insight into what happens. But there's been so much of that recently, especially with, um, with COVID impacting all levels of football and, and lower levels relying so much on gate receipts rather than television income to survive. Um, you know, squads have been cut. A lot of players lost their income, dropping out of the game, finding it very hard to get their next contract. Contracts are not five years, and lots mm. of you know 
debating the media about whether you're going to sign the next one or not because you're you're uh, your agents angling for something it's it's you get two years if you're lucky and then maybe you're kicked yeah. out you know or in the women's game you might be on a year-to-year contract um, and and some of them are earning um you know not far off minimum wage to be honest it's, it's not yeah, well paid yeah. so you know it's a very very uncertain career and a few of them make it to the top and even fewer of them are in the absolute elite level and you know, like what we've just done, we've spent ten minutes joking about which United players are so bad they deserve to be in a bad players eleven. And you know, we're having a bit of fun or whatever because there's been some bad games. And of course, when you're a fan and you're really invested and you want the team to do well, and especially that you know, there is no Man United fan, there is no Man United fan over the age of twelve who is not ridiculously spoiled. Like we are, you might not have like a massively spoiled attitude or whatever, but we're all spoiled in terms of the amount of success and amazing players and all that kind of stuff that we've all seen. Um, uh, but but it just, I just, I definitely have a conscience slating these people that have sacrificed so much and worked so hard and you know all of that kind of stuff. So obviously we're we're here to kind of assess performance or whatever. But I'm not qualified to assess performance of these uh, players. And, you know, I've like I've personally sacrificed a lot to do the job that I do, but I haven't been doing that since I was eight years old. Do you know what I mean? Like, so Victor Lindelof, right? Widely slated. uh, In my opinion, not the grade that required for United to be a like title contending heaven forbid Champions League contending club. But like the amount of, like the amount better Victor Lindelof is than an average human at football is absolutely staggering. It's staggering, you know. So anyway. yeah, no, no. Look, that's that is all completely correct. Except just one caveat: Dan James is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, should we take a mini break and then come back with some listener questions? Yeah, and a little chat about Milan. <laughs> If you want more from the show in between shows, check us out on the socials. We are NQAT Pod on Instagram, Ed's at NQAT Pod on Twitter, and we are under our real names on Facebook at No Question About That. Uh, Milan. Milan. We have to call it Milan because James Richardson does. Milan. Yeah, we have to. Milan. Um, all I want, all I want is for us to absolutely smash them because I have rarely been. Uh, more emotionally invested in a player's career crumbling around their ears than I am currently in Zlatan Ibrahimovic's. Like that guy, he's always been. I've I've never really enjoyed his shtick. It was very fun having him at United. We talked, we did bonus content where we talked about all his goals at United once, and just seeing them all back to back. The level of quality was absolutely unreal. Obviously, had like a big positive impact on the players in the dressing room and all that stuff. And now he's right up there with my least favorite players ever. Um, he's gone from sh- shouting about voodoo to Romelu Lukaku, who had been racistly uh, um, associated with voodoo in the past. Um, and by the way, that that started by the Everton owner. <laughs> so... Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, and and, um, and now he basically told LeBron James to shut up and dribble. Yeah, this I thought that was really was told- disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, this was told, LeBron James, um, I mean, he was told by Fox News to shut up and dribble. So he made a documentary about NBA player activism called Shut Up and Dribble. Um, 
uh, Zlatan said basically I think he's an amazing player but I hate it when they talk about politics people should stick to what they're good at and LeBron gave a response which I thought was absolutely perfect where it was like this is what I'm good at and he's absolutely right like uh, LeBron yeah. is a thousand times the person that <laughs> Zlatan Ibrahimovic is for 100% uh, you know James won that argument and and uh, frankly, Zlatan should shut up and score goals because yeah, exactly. Um, when it comes to, to to talking about activism, politics, and race, Zlatan clearly doesn't have a clue. Um, he's still scoring goals though. Fourteen in thirteen appearances for Milan in, yeah. in Serie A this season uh, at nearly forty. Yeah. So he can still do it on the That's pitch. That's crazy. Yeah, be interesting to see the matchup because, that, you know, his game's kind of built for Maguire and Lindelof. They can defend it. Not, he's not going to go run behind them. You know, he, I mean, he will. He might just, his, his game is not built for Victor Lindelof, by the way. Like, well, that is true. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, no, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this game. I mean, Milan are, are making something of a renaissance. They're currently second in Serie, Serie A. It's a, it's a tighter... Uh, title race there than it has been in in recent years. Juve have been running away with it every year and not under Andrea Pirlo. Um, although Milan just got spanked by Inter in the derby. Yeah, um, very satisfyingly. Yes, uh, and um, Romelu scoring the third goal in that one. Um, so, you know, it's it's uh, they've, they've plenty of talented players there. Um, but, you know, not... not at the level of the great Milan sides of the late 80s and early 90s, obviously. There was some, uh, this was like very trolly. The Europa League Instagram account put up like one of those grids of players. It's like, pick your dream midfield from this. And it was, you know, Keane and Skulls and Seydorf. And you're like, oh God, this is the how far we done fell FCs, isn't it? Like these are, this is definitely faded glory. Um Going yeah. and and faded glory that are both somehow currently second in their relative divisions, right? That's that's what the nature of this game is. That's right. I mean, like, look the the players at Milan that that you know are trying to take them to the next level. We talked about Zlatan and um, Donnarumma. You know, still so I couldn't believe how young he was when I was looking him up. He's still he, he made his debut from Milan. He's like twelve or something. You know. Um, he's out of contract in the summer. That's an interesting one for any uh, clubs looking for a top-level goalkeeper. Um, mm. Simon Kiar was a very good defender. I, I don't know that he is really anymore. Um, I mean, and- I, haven't, I haven't seen one kick of a Milan game apart from like clips of the of Inter scoring against them. Yeah, so, and then there's um, the text player Hakan Kanalhanoglu. Sorry, completely butchered that. Um, who I think is looking for a move and there's a lot of agent-driven talk about him at the moment. Um, sort of their number 10 creative midfielder uh, who will be trying to pull the strings. So yeah. it should be an interesting I, tie anyway. Better than better than the mid-tier Spanish side. It's a sort of almost I'd, top-tier I'd, Italian side. Almost. I'd have an above-average chance of still being able to spell... Um, his name based on the amount of times I had to type it when I worked for Bleach Report, which was peak him being linked with Man United times, uh, as a, a result of which I watched quite a lot of his free kicks on Y Scout, and they were good. Um, yeah. That's a long time ago now. Um, and it's not that long till those games, right? They're the week after next? Yeah. Because we're, we're, yeah. All really compressed, yeah. You know, play Palace on Wednesday and then, then Europa League the next week, I think. It comes it it comes around quick, doesn't it? Yeah, yes, it um, does. Uh, 
March the 11th, uh, the first one of those. Uh, five to six kickoff, so won't be watching that. We'll no be watching that. It's the home leg first. Um, five to right, six at some... Old Trafford. It's just, it's wrong. It's wrong. Wrong. Yeah. Wrong. I will watch it, but it's still wrong. Um, let's take some questions. Uh, Rushwood, Rushworth Bond says... What's the handball rule? Please explain. Anyone? Please. Please! Yeah. I mean, I I think that's rhetorical, isn't it? Does does he... No, I I would like... like, If he doesn't want to know, I'd like you to explain to me the handball rule if you can. I believe it's natural silhouette, right? So if it hits you and you're in a natural silhouette, then it's not handball. Um, Okay. But uh, it's different. That's when you're defending. So when you're defending, right. if you're in a natural silhouette, it's not handball. And to further clarify it, if your arm is below your shoulder, that's considered to be a natural silhouette. And if it hits you above the T-shirt line, now that could be, if you, even if you've got long sleeves on, <laughs> the, the nominal T-shirt line, sort of midway between your shoulder and your elbow, um, <laughs> if it hits you above there, it's not handball. Now, I think that's it. If you're in attacking phase and it hits you anywhere below the T-shirt line, Natural silhouette or not natural silhouette is handball. Does I that make like sense? Natu- yeah, but surely both natural silhouette and above the t-shirt line sound like they should be album titles of some some kind or other, like R&B albums. <laughs> <laughs> you make me feel things above the t-shirt line. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Bigham RF, Mads Nielsen says, favourite to win the Euros this summer and why? Uh France, because they won the World Cup and they got Paul Pogba. Yeah, France, because they're good. Germany, because they've got a lot lot of good young players coming through at the moment. Um, you know, there's it's funny, like there's this gap. So there's a lot of good young German players in the 25 to 23 range. And then younger than that, there's been a big sort of debate in Germany about uh, are enough players coming through. Um, England? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, they're just so prosaic and uh, Gareth Southgate. I, I think the big factor, though, is like who is burnt out and who is not. So if there's a, I don't know if there's an equivalent of a Greece where we'll have a lot of players who haven't played a lot of football but are good enough players. Um, if there's that and they haven't had to play 60 games in less than a normal length of season, then that could be a big factor. Also, we don't know. I mean, one, UEFA are saying it's definitely going to happen, which is, you know, with all the travel bans and stuff like that. How they can play it across 10 countries it just seems impossible right now. I mean, we just say, you see in the Europa League, Arsenal um, were like three minutes from going out on the away goals rule, having played their home leg in Italy and the away leg in Greece against a Spanish team. Was it a Spanish a Portuguese team? team Portuguese even. team. Yeah. So weird, you know, and and, yeah. and clubs are having to do that because there are travel restrictions of different natures right across the continent. Yeah, um, I I would say actually, you that's a really good point mentioning Greece. I almost feel like the favourites to win the Euros as a collective are teams for whom it would be a big upset if they win the Euros. Like you know, it, it seems like this would be a very it would make a lot of sense if a team that isn't. You know, one of the traditional superpowers wins wins this particular yeah. Euros. No, the one thing I'd say about France is they have a lot of strength in depth, and and so yeah. if all their top players have played sixty odd games this season, um, and they need to rotate or some surprising players make it in, that 
that is still a factor. They, you know, they're a hell of a lot of strength and depth there. Yeah, and and having won a World Cup, I mean, it's kind of slating Deschamps is obviously like a weird thing to do, given that he literally won a World Cup. But you, I, I actually wonder whether that sort of really prosaic style that um, that Deschamps wants is probably quite good for energy conservation and all of those kinds of things. So actually, it's probably like probably quite a good summer for a team that's set up like that they they in right. fact they almost are they they kind of are greece but with unbelievably talented players so you know greece plus um that's their uh it's not norway plus it's greece plus um underscore ballpoint pen sorry underscore ballpoint ben says not a question but roy Keane's instagram's good isn't it he said isn't it at the end that makes it a question there's a question mark right there it's a, totally a question ben and yeah, obviously, like it's, I, I, he has a good sense of humor about himself and his public image, clearly. Yes, I'm here for all Roy Keane content. It's my thing. Love yeah. it. Yeah. The, uh, did you watch him and Jamie Redknapp shouting at each other about Tottenham? Yeah. All good. Very funny. Um, friend of the show, Charlinardo says, do you know what? Having read that out loud, I've thought that was Charl Nado forever. Sorry, Charlie. Anyway, um, would you rather have to read aloud every word you said or sing everything you say out loud? So you've got to write it down and read it out or you can sing it. I'm not, bit, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of singing, so I'm writing down and no. reading out, even if it I'm makes me sound like a news reader. Hello, wife. Uh, Good morning. <laughs> There's a really funny thing that's gone around on social media of this um, this anchor... Um, news anchor in America at home torturing her boyfriend by doing the news anchor voice and it's really well, are you ready for this evening's date it's very funny it's really good um, uh, not a question but I miss Paul Pogba says Matthew underscore Taylor 9 we, we all, all do, do. I say we all do, but loads of people don't miss him at all because they can't allow themselves to be wrong. But anyway, um, Brian One Child says, baking a loaf of bread and can't decide whether to substitute butter for olive oil. Any thoughts? Um, and even before I stopped eating dairy, I would always have gone for olive oil over butter in a in a loaf because you want, you want that kind of maximum malleability, right, to stretch those glutens. Yes. So I don't really make bread, but I do make pizza. And um, and you have to really have to get the gluten in there. So you know, double O flour yeah. obviously, and really work it hard. So and olive oil works really well there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm going with a no there. I mean, I guess you'd get that kind of very creamy, rich, almost like an enriched dough. I, I've watched Bake Off. I know stuff. Um, <laughs> name a worse sight in football, says Vieri tweets, than Fred lining up a right-footed shot from the edge of the box. When he nearly scored and Ollie burst out laughing, it just shows I you. I know. And then he clapped vigorously so to try and hide the fact that he couldn't believe Fred had tried it. Yeah. I mean, if you freeze-framed it there and asked 100 people, is this ending up in the net, nearly in the net, or in row Z? Or, no, near the corner flag. Yeah, like 90% picked the corner flag. So um, amazing. I think Fred surprised himself as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh Manny Mo underscore BMW says, who would be the best hooker duck player at the fun fair? So you need someone with really good hand-eye coordination here. Um, so I wonder whether the goalkeepers might have a bit of an advantage. Big answer. Although, 
David De Gea would stand like a really long way back from the thing because he was afraid to come out of his goal. Something, something, something. Um, haven't scored a non-penalty goal since McTominay versus Man City in the Premier League against the so-called Big Six, says H. Genimo. And Trikanth underscore Nima says, how frustrating is it to see the lack of ambition against the other so-called top sides? Bit, bit, bit United y, those questions for my tastes, but we'll take them. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I talked about this a bit earlier. I mean, look, I think it is a concern, and I, I don't think it's United parking the bus. I don't, there's not too many of those games where it's, it's been a, you know, real Mourinho esque performance. There has been some caution, and it does feel like there's a lack of creativity. And look, this is a completely different narrative than one we'd have a year ago where we were complaining how we couldn't break down stubborn defensive sides. Now we've scored nine against them. Um, but uh, yeah, look, you know, you want to make that next leap, got to pick up more points than, you know, what is it? It's it's only six points in those games. You know, not not losing games, but not scoring goals. You, yeah, you, you know, you need to take points off your rivals for the top places, generally. Yeah, it's been such a long time since we struggled to break down uh, disciplined defensive sides. Or when, when was it? <laughs> Two weeks ago against West Brom? I don't know. It was pretty recent. Um <laughs> Uh, so uh, at Jacks365 saying do you guys watch any North American sports I kind of like basketball and I kind of like NFL but I don't watch them regularly you're going to have to get into one now for time zone reasons Ed I don't know I'm going to find it really hard honestly I do, I struggle I've been to all American sports and because uh, you know I've spent a lot of time um, in this country where I'm now living and um, I, I find yeah Baseball, I like for the hot dogs and the beer because they have great concessions. You know, they like food trucks. It's, it's really good. And you just kind of sit there and relax and not much happens. You can't really see anything because the ball goes 100 miles an hour. And once in a blue moon, someone actually manages to hit it. Um, NFL, I just, it's a stop, start, stop, start. I just, I can't get into that. Um, I have been to ice hockey, but I don't care about it. So even though it's a lot of action, it's like hard to, and basketball's much better live than on the TV. Just for me personally, because it only really matters in the last sort of five minutes or so, but the kind of physicality of the players and the speed of the game and, you know, how much is going on, really, it really does feel like that when you're at it. So I feel like if I could suddenly be massively like into and know loads about and follow really closely any of them, I'd probably pick basketball because it feels like there's so much nuance and tactics and the players seem kind of really interesting. And they're often, they often uh, speak much more interestingly than other sports. There seems to be a real culture of, um, of openness and honesty, not just about social issues. Obviously, that's we talked a bit about that earlier, but just in terms of, um, uh, you know, players' relationships with each other and their relationships with the, their own teams and stuff. It's very, very kind of interesting and open sport in that in that regard. And talking of... Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, I mean, not an American sport, but I've been to see uh, Socha a few times here at MLS, which is fun, like, good, good crowds. I mean, Seattle, um, good crowds at the Sounders. Uh, the standard's not awesome, but uh, you know, no. it's it's doing okay here. Of course, um, Bex now has a team. Yeah, managed by Phil Neville, somewhat disgracefully, in my opinion. Um, does cricket uh, ads Jacks three six five have the Don't best and worst cricket. pundits in sports broadcasting? Well, look, they've got and uh, some of the best writers for sure about cricket. Uh, I think, and and I think the game 
lends itself to adding a bit of colour. Um, and so some really good pundits and some absolute what-sits, and you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, he says a former England cricket captain and a famous Australian spin bowler come to mind, and we, we shall agree a hundred percent. And I don't. Uh, we, we talk about cricket on the backers' content quite a bit, but I don't. We're going to talk today about, as well. I, I don't, I no, don't we, know. I don't want to talk about it. I'm, I'm angry. We've got to. I'm angry. <laughs> we've got to talk about it. Um, people keep telling me the pitch was fine. Uh, Ravi Ashwin said rubbish. The pitch was fine. So rubbish. Of course, he said <laughs> the pitch was fine. Rubbish. <laughs> um, it's my birthday today, says real Liam Downey. Happy birthday for yesterday um, when you listen to this. So an apology for how bad that match was on behalf of United would be nice. Absolutely not, Liam. Absolutely not. If you come round here asking us to apologise on behalf of that institution, no way. We are not associated, affiliated or responsible for anything those absolute Muppets do to you on your birthday. An apology that, brought to you one. by Mr. Potato <laughs> Chips and Polar. <laughs> yeah um no but yes of course i'm sorry that you had to endure that on your birthday i feel like united fans should all be allowed to choose not to watch united on their birthday i mean there are those that argue that watching man united is a choice whenever you do it but apparently that's not the case if you start a podcast about it and then your friend says you gotta watch the match paul because otherwise what are we going to talk about (laughs) Um, uh, what what was worse says a lemming plays this match or the pitches for the last two in near England tests I actually thought only one of them was really problematic but um, no look look uh, if 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 Old Trafford if this was not Old Trafford right but but if we played on the pitch just after World War 2 had ended and Old Trafford had been bombed that would be the quality of the pitch that we had in the cricket or basically any game between November and March from 1981 to 1993 or whatever yes. it was. Yeah. Um, uh, it's been two and a half years since Solskjaer took charge, says uh, Henker Svensson. Do you feel that you could identify with the club once again, that we've gone back to the roots, as some of us were hoping that the appointment would lead to? Well, so look, um, in a football not, sense, I think I think that's true. You know, there's clearly limitations yeah. in the squad and the team, but we kind of I get a sense of where we're heading, don't, don't you? I mean, especially the transition yeah. from being a purely reactive um, side that only played on the break to one that is now mostly front foot forward, even if sometimes there's more caution. Um with the players who can cause real damage on the break. So I think from a football perspective, yes. The club is still the same club. It's you know, it's yeah. still the same owners and it still makes all the same mistakes. So yeah, let's not kid ourselves about that part. You know, any success and it's relative to the last sort of seven years, any success we're getting now is despite not because of the owners. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, the club versus the team, isn't it? Like the team, absolutely. I feel like it's much easier to identify with them. I like them. Not that I was ever not rooting for them to win, but like it's very easy to root for them to do well. Um, uh, and the club, the club is the club. But that's that that was definitely the case in the Fergie era. Love the love the shirt, hate the club. Right? That's the you know. Right. So been the mantra for a long time. Uh, two more questions. Uh, JJ Valehoa says, um, "Have you ever listened to the intro song for the podcast at one point five speed? It's amazing. I haven't, but I definitely will now. I can imagine that working. Actually, I really yeah. like that tune. Have not. It's good tune. We've done well yeah. there." Um, yeah. Well, it's not us, but it was, it was mainly no. <laughs> Tom and the musicians that uh, 
Yeah, the musicians yeah. creating it from our our uh, creative concept and Tom berating them into making it good. <laughs> I mean, by the way, that is almost exactly what happened. <laughs> I think you might have edited what Tom said and sent it to them, if I remember correctly. Well, they... yeah, because because Tom's initial um, creative <laughs> feedback was exactly the thing. He's a creative, right? Exactly the thing that he hates getting, which is, this is shit, do it again. <laughs> um, uh, and then... Very good, long-time, old-time friend of the show, Eric Johnson at ERK Tennis, um, because he switched from an account that talks a lot about Man United to one that talks a lot about tennis. I don't really understand what's happening in tennis. The only things I know about tennis is from Eric's Twitter account, so if you like it, you should follow it. Um, But he says, seen any good shows recently? And I've quite been enjoying... I like a a reasonable quality sitcom. Do you know what I mean? Like any, any sort of upper third of american sitcoms i like so um netflix put superstore on there it's pretty Um, funny and i've Yeah, I, I like that show. Uh, and Wanda, I found WandaVision to be... Yeah. I, mean, I can't believe WandaVision exists. Like, it's it's incredible that the biggest budget franchise in the world was like, let's do an absolutely wild concept show. Yeah, like, I know. Oh, cheers, I, I just, cheers, guys. I, I would love to have been in that pitch meeting when it was greenlit. Yeah. Got an idea I mean, for you. <laughs> so, like... like uh, are we gonna the spoilers like sp- spoilers for one division not like massive massive story spoilers except if you haven't seen it at all in which case skip forward a minute but like if you've been following it just the concept so hey uh, so you know we're gonna bring in the mcu right at some point are we gonna like hint at that in the first episode or are we just literally gonna make the first episode seem like it's a sitcom but with wonder and vision it uh no i think we're gonna go do the latter because we're marvel we could do what we like unbelievable like the level of the level of super indiness of yeah. this it's an indie passion project with an insane budget and yeah i've really enjoyed it no, it's right. I mean, um, you get a few characters from the um, the Marvel Universe sort of slowly coming in, but the the sort of big reveal about what's going, what the hell is going on here, is not until episode eight of a yeah. nine part show. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of amazing, really amazing, actually. Um, yeah, and 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 just not just conceptually amazing though, but also really well put together, really well acted, well written. I, I love it. I think it's been great, a real pleasant surprise. Because actually, I wasn't particularly turned on by the original concept of you know for some reason, but then yeah, it was just lacked imagination. So um, we should preview the fact that Man United are playing Crystal Palace away in midweek, and then right. Oh, everyone get ready for another Thriller Minute Sunday afternoon, next Sunday afternoon, when we play Manchester City in what will no doubt be a thrilling back and forth adventure of super football, not two teams that would both absolutely bite your hand off for a nil-nil draw. Yeah, um, so are we doing a midweek podcast because this is real football? Will, will you do it? Will you? Will you? Uh, Will you? Let's let's Will give you? that a solid maybe. Okay, solid maybe. Well, Palace. Um, Palace have been Palace this season, aren't they? Um, Roy Hodgson is still in charge, unbelievably, and and they're doing you know pretty mixed as a result. Beat Brighton the other week, and not a surprise. Got spanked <laughs> by Burnley. Bit of a that, surprise. You said that Palace, that Palace Brighton game, not a surprise. That was two point five xg to point one xg. Palace win two one somehow. Like it's a ridiculous game of football. 
Yeah, uh, 0.09 xG against Fulham. It, I mean, it's That's not possible. Not a lot. It's not possible. I mean, you know, you, don't you get 0.09 from like taking a kickoff? <laughs> they had three shots, um, none of which were very good. So yes, this is this is Palace. Um, they're not an awesome side. Um, and what else? What else do we say about this? Palace are not great. Well, United really well, do need to win this game. Yeah, I mean, it's an, a, a hugely important game. I mean, today was an opportunity to capitalise on the fact that Leicester lost pretty unexpectedly to Arsenal, right. I would say. Um, but it was against Chelsea. And whilst the game was boring, the level that we're at right now, nil-nil draw against away at Stamford Bridge, all right, you'll take it. If we don't um, come back with something in this next game, that's a big problem. But I'm not sure it's trivial to say that we definitely will. I mean, you know, sure. I've kind of joked about joked about this all season that, that like after we win, I can't see any possibility that we won't win the next game. And when we have a boring draw, I can't see any possibility that we'll play well. But we're going to need Rashford and Fernandez, one or the other or both, to do something in this game because uh, we are really short of players and and there are no other options. It's coming from them or it's not coming, basically, unless Greenwood does something. Yeah, true. Uh, and I mean, but I think we know how Palace will play. I mean, they do have the players to play on the break. I think they will sit deep. I think United will have 60% possession. It will be up to us to to break that down. It would really help if we scored a bit earlier in the game. Uh, and Palace's big problem is scoring goals. You know, they like obviously they got a fairly hefty negative goal difference, but uh, it's scoring. Uh, Wilfred Zaha has nine. The next best is Benteke on four in 19 appearances. I mean, he was good for about a season wasn't he Benteke and then he forgot how to score goals um, and they're overachieving their expected goals quite a bit um, um, which tells you something about you know how hard it is maybe they've been efficient taking those few chances that they've created yeah I mean that, that kind of the fact that a team scored that few goals and are overperforming their expected goals is a very bad sign for how functional their attack is and they've obviously like Eze was a, a super fun like one of my favourite players to watch in the first half of this season um, I haven't seen a, a Palace game for a while because it's felt it's always kind of felt like a chore to you know when you're looking at the fixtures when there's so many games you can watch every weekend you're probably mostly skipping the Palace one aren't you um, Zaha didn't play against Brighton was he back for the Fulham game I'm not sure um, uh, we should probably work that out because that makes a difference I tell you the one thing that I would want to see above almost everything in the United lineup is just Eric Bailly in the side I don't and it seems to me there's absolutely no reason to play Maguire and Lindelof in this game um, because you, you would expect Maguire and Lindelof absolutely to be the the, the pair that start against um, uh, City uh, at the weekend and and recovery pace could be invaluable. It could really free up United to be really bold with their fullbacks in particular in this game. So I, I really hope that's what we do. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, there will be some rotation because Oli does tend to make four or five and there has to be with that big City game coming up. Um, Zaha didn't play. It was Ayu, Benteke and Townsend up front. And that, that right, would obviously right, right. help. Yeah, Benteke is not Zaha. He's, he's much slower and much easier to defend, I think, if you're Maguire and Lindelof, you know, the kind of player yeah. that they will like defending against. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's exactly the pattern. I'd be really surprised if it's not United with most of the ball and, and trying to push on and, and Palace trying to catch them out on the transition. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, 
I, I, you know, I don't know what I predicted for the Chelsea game on our recording last week because it's a very long time ago and I barely remember doing it. Um, but I was talking to my dad this afternoon just before the game and I was like, this is absolutely 100% nailed on nil-nil this game. So that wasn't a surprise. Um, this Palace game, I feel, is a little more difficult to predict. I, I, I think... I don't really have a prediction. That I, I, I'm going to go with a 2-0 United win just on the basis that I do think we'll have we'll have too much for them if if Fernandez or, or Rashford click a bit. Okay, I'm going to say 1-0 because, you know, I don't know, I've got to pick a number. Yeah, It's boring if um, I pick and, the same one. And in case we don't uh, do a recording, I'm going to predict a 1-0 City win. I think that's going to be um I think that's going to be a drab game of football. That's my main my main prediction for that one. You know, the only games of football we've had them against, well, no, that's not quite true because we did have the one when McTominay scored from like 40 yards out. But there's been quite a lot <laughs> yeah. of drab ones or ones where they've you know, given us a real spanking and they're in unbelievably good form. I, I mean, I, I, this is going to be one where United are willing to park the bus, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's got to be. That's I mean, it's probably the only option against a City team playing this well. Problem is they're scoring from all parts of the pitch. I mean, they're they're two centre backs scored in the win against West Ham, um, which you know, and and they're grinding out a lot of results as well. You know, even mm. when they don't play, it's just yeah, absolutely, you know, trucking along. And uh, we've gone from United leading at the turn of the year to mid February in the or end of February in the the title race, looking like it's completely over. So even yeah, if we I mean, win, it is, isn't it? Well, if we beat, if we win. Didn't win today, but if we beat Palace and then beat it's, City, we could get to within what seven or eight points or something just, like that. It's just it's totally done because I mean the thing the thing that it looks like is that Guardiola has really cracked the pandemic season. You know, he's really I mean he's obviously got the budget that really helps with that. But um, but you know I think they're playing the right kind of football for the challenge that they're currently facing, and and I think they're going to walk walk kind of sleepwalk the Premier League yeah um and and you know it'll be interesting to see whether he can finally break his kind of uh decade-long Champions League curse no I think you're right they're very efficient aren't they and um you know having that much of the ball all the time is is and he's got the he's got the squad as he talked about yeah. in his press conference you know tongue firmly in cheek um because he was being a bit um Bit moody with Klopp talking about budgets the other week, but uh, it was kind of fun. His presser before the weekend. Yeah, <sighs> those two arguing great about which team's better. You're both terrible. Um, all right, uh, and to hear what we think of uh, other managers. I love the- just a little thing before we get onto the backers com- content. Uh, thank you to everyone that signed up uh, to the Patreon this week because I said in the last show that we're going to dedicate a significant portion of the backers content to having a massive go at Jose Mourinho. I hope no one was disappointed. Annoyingly, they uh, they won four nil this week, so uh, we can I was only just going to say, this- how, how are you going to get your hate out in a four nil win? <laughs> I've got one. I've got a line lined up. Oh. And by the way, oh, I thought Liverpool had just scored a hilarious own goal, but it's been flagged for offside. Um, so uh, so we won't have that to talk about um, during the backers' content. Uh, but anyway, stay tuned for that if you are a Patreon backer and everyone else will see you either on Friday or next Monday after these two games. Take good care of yourselves. Have a good one.